0: Welcome back to another episode of Talking With Experts Podcast with your host, Chris Cowden, the expert whisperer. I have Adil Amarsi joining me this week to share how he writes copy that is compelling enough to attract all types of investors for your startup. What unique opportunities he can see as an expert coming up for startups and copywriters in 2023 and how to use your defeats and victories to create an unlimited, unlimited amount of content. If you want to know how to create massive ROI and time on your investment in your personal life and business, and you don't know how to position yourself as an expert yet, then this episode will clarify all of that for you. Stay to the end if you love burgers, because Adil shares his recipe with you as well that's a key bit because this burger recipe is absolutely killer and it's it's it will make you salivate the whole day so i'll, I'll speak to you at the end enjoy the episode and bye thank for joining me on talking with experts Podcast today, and thanks for the wonderful conversation. Before we press live, it's just great to learn yeah, more about out. you. Yeah,
1: you guys missed out on some excellent stuff, just deep bonding stuff. Like you didn't missed out on that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, just, it's great to know that we've got so many different things in common um, yeah. and at, at different spectrums. I know you've, you're very successful at what you do, and I'm just starting. But yeah, from your story and listening to other podcasts that you've been involved in, you were a past
1: chef. Me too. Yeah. Um, nice. We didn't a- even talk about cooking. <laughs> like Afterwards, you're going to have to trade secrets, man. Yeah. Like legit. I got like a really good burger recipe that I want you to try out. <laughs> Actually, yeah, well, screw it. On this show, if you want, at the end, if everyone's happy, if you're watching this live, just comment down below. Let me know if you want my burger recipe. And I guarantee you, juiciest burger you'll ever eat. Because I've had like five separate chefs eat it and they've said the same thing. So, okay that's a deal yeah that's a deal, that's a deal. anyway sorry you were going uh, and then
0: um comedy i guess i wasn't a comedian but i made jokes with myself in school to be liked and yeah. of bullying everything but um it's fascinating And then you picked up the rubik's cube and you were showing me how to calm my anxiety as a oh yeah as a
1: podcaster so I'll definitely... bottles, i have a, literally get one of these <laughs> this is like it's gonna sound really stupid but whenever i get anxious this actually calms me right down. So why it lives on my desk so i be leave- So I'll
0: definitely be um, playing around with Rubik's Cube later anyway, but um, today isn't about Rubik's Cube or uh, (laughs) anything like that, it's about helping startups get the expert knowledge to build out world-class businesses and today I've brought on Adil to share more about his 14 plus years, or let's recap that, 21, 22 years of personal history and copywriting, to the call to to share some bombs with you so thanks thanks Adil for joining
1: thank you for having me man i really, really appreciate this um i I'm looking forward to seeing what we can come up with. Like uh, Saturday morning, because I usually like Saturday morning at eleven o'clock. I'm either still in bed or I'm out for a hike. So I was like, "Yeah, let's do this." Uh, I, I, this is going to make you laugh. So my cat's currently looking at me. If you hear what sounds like a human child in the background, it is a cat, not a human. Uh, and even and if he comes nearby, I'll pick him up and show you guys. For the people that know who Chase is, it's Chase. But my personal favorite was uh, moments before you and I got on off like our call today. I was downstairs grabbing everything I needed to get ready, and my cat came down the stairs, meowed at me, and just ran back up as in like, uh, "You have things to do, dickhead." I was like, oh, not "Do this, <laughs> fine." <laughs> um, for those that are at home as well, I'm going to try and keep it as clean as possible. Um, I know I can sometimes let off an accidental swear or so, but we'll bleep those. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. I'm just going to ramble quite a bit. And I saw some. I love cats too. We adopted my nan's cat, and oh, they're just.
0: They're just uh
1: loving
0: de-stressing they 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 love you all the time and they're always hungry and just lay on your lap It's it's best but again we're not talking about cats we're talking about startups so i want to go more into your experience first just um, just to yeah. highlight your immediate well background you not, yeah your background um, i've <laughs> cool. seen numbers all over the internet but i'm not sure which is correct and you can okay. say whether okay. it's 900 so- or then, okay, so but, yeah,
1: I'll give you guys the story behind this. So 2019 ish, I think it's 2019, 2020, 19. Yeah, no, I basically had made, I checked all my client records and realized I'd made my clients like $700 million at that point. Um, this is year 12 of my professional writing career uh, at the time. And for the next two years, like my numbers kept growing. And then last year, I stopped writing for clients in January after like uh, a personal issue kind of kicked in, which is the thing that I need to get over, or not get over, but deal with and heal. Um, and then I just basically realized, so the thing I've always been really good at that separates me from being a copywriter versus yep. what copywriters are today, you guys are fuckers and not, excuse my language, you guys are shit. You guys suck. Basically, I'm trying to be in a nice way of saying you guys suck. I don't like most of you. The reason being is half the copywriters today have forgotten what it means to be a copywriter. A copywriter isn't someone who just writes words on paper. A copywriter understands every intricacy part of the business from avatar creation to client research to finding what there is. The amount of arguments I've had in my career with my clients where I've had to rip them a new one because I knew I was right and they were wrong. And then they basically very begrudgingly mailed the stuff I asked them to mail. Do you know when they weren't begrudging? When the checks were rolling in, when the money was hitting their PayPal accounts and they were like, oh my God, I made another six figures with this. So early on in my career, I had a lot of those arguments. Later on in my career, I had very few of those arguments because I had developed a reputation for having wins. Um... And then, like over the last two years, as I said, my clients have made another $200 million from my work. And when I say from my work, it's my consulting, my advice, and uh, even from writing and doing work with them, which is fine. Uh, The number to that is close to 1.2 billion, however, and the reason that we have it at 1.2 billion is because you've heard of some of my students, people like uh, Taylor Welch from Traffic and Funnels, Dan Meredith from Coffee with Dan, and a bunch of other people have either trained with me at one point or another. Uh, Ian Naj from, um, I think he's doing VidCon soon as well. Like, There's a bunch of people that I've either influenced or trained personally over the years. If you know Mark Kington as well, he's another one of my dudes that's a junior writer I trained from the very day he started. So um, so that number goes up to like 1.8 billion. Oh, sorry, 1.2 billion because um, to give you an idea, there was a, someone that took my course when it first came out four year, three, four years ago because we're rebuilding it now. Info still solid because it's timeless. It's not dependent on the time. It's psychology, which is where all my stuff is. But um, Katrina, shout out to Katrina. She, Katrina Young did, if I remember correctly, when I last spoke to her, she did like an added $34 million using just... My strategies for her clients. She's like, I added thirty-four million dollars for my clients. This is insane. I was like, How do you mean? She goes, I just used what you told me. I was like, Amazing. So that's kind of my background on it. I've written four hundred plus marketplaces, and my endless fascination is how we think as people, which is why I've spent so much time understanding how the human condition exists, and more importantly, how we live. It led me down, you know, to the pathways of co- the pathways of comedy, pathways to martial arts, pathways to hip hop and R and B. Uh, pathways to heavy metal and understanding the occult and occultism and religion, and spirituality and seeing how it's all linked together. And it's ridiculous. It's funness. And you get to pick what you want. So taking all those things into account. Yeah, I've written. And by the way, as I say this, everything I've done, I'm grateful to say has been 100% above board and ethical. Meaning yeah. I've not taken a negative client that was trying to scam people or whatever it is. I've made sure that every one of my clients was vetted and I could actually take them on. If I couldn't take them on, they usually got a refund and a thank you so much for giving me a chance. Cause you know, keep yeah. the, uh, keep, keep the reputation, uh, keep the, uh, relationship. Don't yeah. burn it. Cause you never know who might be useful later on. Like you never know how that relationship might become useful for both of you later down the line, how you can be friends. You know, someone's choices doesn't completely define who they are.
0: So making a like an objective decision instead of subjective and playing with emotions, just this or all
1: well, I'll tell you what had...
0: on the relationship.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's my driving factor behind it. because I've only told a very few, very few people. So I guess it'll be an exclusive for for you, Chris, which is going to be fun. Um, so for me, it's because of my faith. I believe that when I die, I'm going to be judged. And the last thing I need to do is have my work, my ability affect one million people, or even ten thousand people. Mm. Or even one thousand people. That means that my ability to push a negative narrative has affected one thousand lives. That is one thousand lives of sins that I now have to carry on my plate when I'm meeting my maker. I don't want that shit. I would much rather be like, I got a thousand people that I helped. Give me all that good shit. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, add my case. Add to my case how great I am. Let me in. Well, not how great I am, but let me in and be like, hey, you're a good dude. You can get in. Like, Because that's what I want at the end of the day. Um, but because of that driving factor, it's the reason I've never been able to take on anything unethical uh, without having some serious internal conflict or my copy not working, which is the funniest part. Because uh, I've had days where I've taken on a client where I'm like, oh, I can write for this. This seems normal. And I, and I produce horse, horse crap copy. Like, it is just horse crap. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, sometimes I've had... Of course, I've had losses in my career. Everyone has. But I've not had as many losses as most people have, which is lovely. But even the losses I have had, uh, my clients either get their money back or we find a workaround and see what we can do. But essentially... That's my background and working in all those marketplaces allowed me to help like startup companies, um, pitch for investments, do angel, like pitch for angel investing, create pitch decks and all the other fun stuff as well. Because when you know what someone's looking for, it's very easy to give it to them.
0: Yeah. So on that, what is it that you... um... When you're creating a pitch for somebody or um, getting ready to prepare somebody else for a pitch, what are things that you focus on in your copy? Is there a specific framework that you use that would help?
1: Yeah, so I have a framework for writing sales letters, uh, which is actually a course, but we can talk about that later. Um, I actually mentioned it previously, but we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in a moment of like what, what it entails. But essentially what it is, it's understanding how a conversation works. When you understand how a conversation work works, you can write an entire sales letter around a conversation, which is what you want. Yeah, because uh, it feels very back and forth. It feels like it flows. Like there's no start and stop. There's no like stabbing in the back. There's no twisting the knife. There's none of the bull crap that I don't look. Twenty percent should be pain. Eighty percent should be pleasure. That's the way I actually deal with it. If you can't do that, fine, fair enough. If you like ho- horror story copies, lovely. Mm-hmm. But you're writing for a genre and only one genre only, and you're going to get boring very quickly. Sorry, just just yes. true. So try different things, see what happens. Um, so what we do is the first things that we focus on is make sure that the copy is correct. So is it conversational? Can the client read it? Can the client feel it? Can my person's going in to deliver this, get it done? Because you got to realize, some people can memorize scripts, other people can memorize bullet points. Yeah. So I got to know what my audience person needs to have. So what I'll most likely do when I'm prepping them is I'll sit down, go through their entire bullet points with them or their script with them reduce it down to a couple of bullet points and record myself talking to them as we go through each point and what I need them to say and how it needs to sound. Then at the end of it, they're like, holy crap, I know what this needs to sound like. They can go and they actually perform uh, flawlessly because, again, like I said to you prior, we all get anxiety. But if you know how to control your anxiety, you actually come off very calm and relaxed. So I give them yeah. a couple of tips of how to do that. Um, so a really easy one is taking deep breaths. That, you know, diaphragmatic breathing does reset the parasympathetic nervous system, which allows us to relax. The second, and this is a little bit of an older trick, and this is one I, to- I told you beforehand. Take your left thumb, put it in your right wrist, close it, and just sit there. Like, the thing is you can literally just leave it there. Um, it looks like you're just holding your hands. It doesn't look like you're doing anything. But what that does is it naturally lowers your anxiety. It just naturally starts lowering your brain to a state of like a little bit more calmness which is really cool the body has a bunch of these hacks but you know as is um but what we do with the start people is we get through the stuff with them go through the pitch deck make sure they look the part because that's another okay. thing you got to look the part you got dress the part and now we're in a place where people are just like bombarded with being back on zoom and staying on zoom and like doing calls and stuff I'm like, guys, take your client out for dinner. Like, mm-hmm. literally, pitch them at a dinner. Don't pitch them in their office. Take them out for dinner. Have a conversation over lunch. Like, see what you can do. Spend the money if you need to, and that will solidify a relationship. Remember, they care about what you're pitching, but they also care about who you are. Because yeah. remember, they're giving you money. They go, over, can I trust? Can I trust this person? If you take them out for lunch, it doesn't have to be a fancy ass lunch. Um, one of my guys, we found out that one of the angel investors. Group in a very similar situation to one of my clients, which is, you know, he grew well I grew up in Leicester, you're in Coventry, kind of like that, those type of ends, like the angel investor came from that kind of world. And so did my client. So instead of taking this guy out to a fancy restaurant for dinner, yeah. <laughs> uh, we took him out, like we literally took him out to like a regular place and ordered, like, the most basic ass burgers we could find from, like, one of our favorite places nearby. Um, to, to give you context, you know, if you're not in the UK, you won't get this, but if you're in the Midlands, you definitely will. Think Maryland chicken burgers. Like, maybe a pound, maybe three pounds. Right? <laughs> Super cheap. I think we spent, like, 20 pounds total on, like, food that day for the three of us. Um, I didn't say anything. I was just left, like, whatever it was. I was like, I got to buy it now. So we're having food and stuff. And like, we're dressed nice, like, you know, shirts on, quite stuff. We're in a nice place, but we're eating regular shit because it was like an open like food court. And we're having this chat with this client and all he says to us is like, at the end of it, all's good and well, signs the deal. You know, he goes back and come into the office, pitching an idea, pitch the idea, close the deal. All great. I wanted to find out what made him say yes, because I was curious. Yeah. Um, and the reason being, and I had the idea was because we tapped into his innate background, his background of you never really forget where you're from if you're if you push yourself you never really forget the night the things that used to make you happy and there is a real nostalgia to eating a sh- not even a shitty but like a classic cheap ass burger with a couple of friends and you're like how far have we fucking come because you feel yeah. great afterwards like and again excuse my language there, but how far do you feel like you've come you just like feel alive and that connection was translated into the conversation that's just one thing that we do the other is that we look at exactly like. What needs to be said specifically? Does your problem? Does your does your um? Does your pitch have a solution? Does it hold water? Because mm. at the end of the day, they're not going to give you money for something that isn't going to work.
0: Yeah, and I think when you mentioned there about uh, taking somebody out for uh, just a a crap meal, that's no, not really crap. <laughs> well, you know, it's, not <laughs> it's not a five star meal. It's like yeah. a good meal, but it's not then you're not acting up. Uh, there's no ego in it. You're not being pretentious um, exactly. and yeah, you're like you said, going right to the roots and learning about them and building that re- relationship first. That's 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 important. So um, when you're forming a pitch for investors, yeah. what are certain things except for like the bullet points uh, that okay. you, you would mention on a, in a pitch?
1: Okay, so I always want to go into exactly what it is that my client is giving them. So what is the benefit to the end goal? So for instance, if I was pitching, so if you give me one of like, could you give me an idea of an a, a product that someone would be pitching?
0: Yeah, let's go. Well, let's go with the person who came on the podcast yesterday's uh, Rich White AI note-taking tool.
1: Okay, AI note taking tool. Okay, brilliant. There's a bunch of those already out there. Which one does Rich have, by the way? Which one is this? Uh, probably the best one on the
0: market. Um, number one app on
1: Zoom Marketplace. Oh, note taking app. Oh, the, the one uh, that's basically... it's good. Oh, Fathom, fair enough. Okay, yeah. you're a... Oh, that's so cool, dude, that you got them on. Um, so, what you do with quite simple, the way that I'd pitch that is quite simple. I'd look at it and go, okay, what else is out there that's universally related? So, like, what, what can they uh, relate to? Oh, I think my microphone's picking up in the background a little bit. That's on me. Hold on
0: a sec. Uh. Everything sounds fine now.
1: Oh, all good? Yeah, all good. Okay, Perfect. excellent. Cool. I like the fact that I have like, a spare mic just to like, get back into it. <laughs> um, but what I was getting at was uh, Life of a Podcast, Ari. Um <laughs> But what's it called? So, the way that I look at this is I go, okay, what other um, stuff is out there that's currently being used? What's it being sold? What makes my thing different? What is the unique mechanism? If it's like, okay, we've only got a few unique things, it's a note taking app specifically for Zoom, really well, like works really well. Most people actually don't use it properly. Uh, most people don't use note taking apps properly because you have to take the audio, run it through the app, go through the thing, and it's a whole, you know, pain in the butt. Right now, we just remove that middle process and made it really simple. And that's what you're selling that middle process. The reason why content creators don't create content, the reason why so-and-so don't do what they're doing is because it takes too long to do the middle. So we've gotten rid of that. Now all you're doing is the finishing part. And you can even, like as far as I'd go, if I was pitching this to an investor, I'd say, so imagine you're a business owner right now and you're going through this. What I would want you to do is, you just had a really important Zoom meeting with someone, and you need the notes and the minutes. Now, could you hire, Do you want to hire someone to take the minutes of that call, or do you just want to have an app there and then pay someone to go through the edits? Oh, I don't edits. really know. Whatever. It is. Well, edits are going to be easier because, like, it was like, isn't it going to cost the same? No, because a note-taking person will take maybe what, let's say, twenty bucks an hour or ten bucks an hour at the very least. You're paying them ten dollars an hour. They're taking notes for you. Fine, great, no worries. They now have to take those notes, make. Something to go, go on with them. Essentially, make sure that they're readable. Get the bullet points they need that are juicy, that are right for you. Organize them and then mail them to you. That is easily about five hours worth of work. So it's 50 bucks. Mm. Or you get something and that's 50 bucks per meeting. You have five meetings in a week. That's $250. You take a month. That's 1,000. That's already building. That's 12 grand over a year that you're actually investing in just labor costs. Or you can go with Fathom fathom takes care of that middle person now what you're doing is instead of paying for five hours worth of work you're actually only paying for one or two and that's for the edits so it's two hours worth of editing that's twenty dollars now your cost is basically come down by thirty percent you've actually reduced it by a significant margin actually more than thirty percent but like you've gone from doing um it's twenty dollars per, per person from fifty yeah you used to you do the same five interviews you're now doing 100 so you do the same five interviews you're doing it for um, 100 bucks not 250 which means your cost over the month has gone to 400 not a thousand so you're saving 600 more every single month so that's the pitch i'd go with like imagine that was the situation that you had the reason i want your funding right now is i want to get this out there to as many people as possible while also making sure that it works like It already works, but I want to really get it out there. I want to fund it in a much different way. And most importantly, there's integrations and upgrades that are going to cost me money that we've got down the pipeline. Here's the integrations that we have in Q2, Q3, and Q4 that we're looking to bring on. And with your investment, this is how we're doing it. So we're not using your investment to fund the whole thing. We're using your investment to bring in customers, fund part of it, and then from those customers, there will basically be a self-fulfilling, feeding uh, prophecy, essentially, where those keep funding the hell out of this thing. So Q3, Q4, and Q5. Onwards, all our feature development, all our benefit development comes from within the company. What you're doing is helping us acquire the customers to sustain us. That's your only job. And for that, you get X amount of percentage. Because all all you're saying to them is, you're doing zero work. I don't really need you to do anything. I just need your money to build my thing so it becomes self-sustaining and you get paid for it.
0: Well, so from from our perspective, you know, because we're, we're Brits yeah. and, you know, asking for money is kind of, well, it might not be for you, but from, from my perspective, it's hard to ask somebody for money uh, because I've never done it. That's probably one reason. But just okay. because it just innate is, oh, I, how can I ask for money for somebody invest in me? How, how do you position or how do you prepare for something like that when you're asking for it? Um, investors, you
1: know, two, two things. It depends on where we're at. Let's say we start off with you where you're at right now. Like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never asked for money before. Cause I have had clients like that before. The first thing I do is I get them to read three books. Um, the first book is green eggs and ham by Dr. Seuss. Uh, and that is because my friend, Scott, Sylvia bell, who's amazing. He's an incredible salesperson, sales trainer in the U S. Um, absolutely kills it. Currently working with Jay Abraham, like literally legend of his own kind. Um, if you don't know who Jay is, Jay is also a really, really good uh, former client and uh, just good dude, uh, amazing marketing mind. Uh, what was I going with? Scott recommends Green Eggs and Ham because to him that is the greatest sales book you'll ever pick up. It's number one, because that teaches you how to ask. Number two, I'd go and read Dan Kennedy's books. I read any book I can on selling like Wealth Attraction, Dan Kennedy's Wealth Attraction, which you can find on YouTube, by the way. Um, Go watch that. Go listen to it. Six hours worth of training. It will literally shift fundamentally the way you see money. And by doing so, that shifts everything. Now, number three, and this is a Dan Candy trick I'm teaching you. Yeah. Very, very powerful thing. Dan Candy used to say, do you know what the difference is between me asking for $100,000 for a sales lesson and you, ask, and you jittering for ten? dollars Do you know what the difference is between us? And I was like, no, because I, I met him at an event and I asked him. He goes, the difference between me and you is quite simple. I can say $100,000 without quivering. You say hundred grand, your voice quivers. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. He's like, When a client goes, how much is this going to be? You're like, a hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, he go- I goes, I bet you, if you ask for a hundred grand, you're like, all right, your sales letter, VSL, blah, blah, He goes, I'll just write a sales letter for you. And I was like, can I get a VSL? Yeah, that's another hundred grand. <laughs> and he was like, I just value myself correctly because I know what I can do. I was like, fair. He goes, am I a better writer than you? Because probably not he's he's like you probably wipe the floor clean with me which between us i actually have done that before <laughs> the of promotion. um there isn't actually a copywriter i don't there's only like three or four really great copywriters i have not gone up against in my career and not one there's only a few um there's a few that i'm terrified of like roy Fur, genuinely terrified of going up against him and he's He's a really good friend, that's the funny part. He's He and I have the same birthday, years apart, like the same day, which is hilarious, because it's really <laughs> hard to have this day. Um, and most importantly, we literally, both copywriters, he's incredible, um, but he's genuinely the one dude I'm afraid of. If I ever go against him, like, hey, you're writing against Roy, I'm like, Roy, do you want to take this one by yourself? You don't need my help. All right, bye, bye, bud, bye. Because <laughs> you're like, why? Because I, if I have to, I have to pull out every bit of my work. I actually have to do more work than I, than I want to. Because um, I'm going against an elite writer, so it's a thing. <laughs> but anyway, I'm veering off topic. Let's get let's bring back into like what you do when someone's afraid of selling. So I've told you this. The trick now, because I've told yeah. you the story behind it. Let's get to the trick. The trick is really simple. It involves just a mirror. And all you do is you look yourself in the eyes, in the mirror, and you say, what's the investment? How much is it? How much do I want? And then you just keep saying the number. I'd like 10,000 pounds, please. I need 15 grand to do this. I need 100 grand to make this thing a reality. I need 25,000 pounds to do this as a reality. I would like to charge you. It was like, uh, what's the investment? It's 15K. For what? For this thing. And you just do this for about 10 or 15 minutes every single time before we have a sales call. Uh, at the very beginning, I'd get someone like you Chris to do it daily uh, yeah. until that you build a little confidence The reason being what you're doing is you're conditioning your brain to answer the question. How much is it? What's the investment? What's the price automatically before your brain can think?
0: Yeah, without quivering and just that
1: confidence
0: just would come across to an investor and there was exactly. they know you they built their relationship with you Exactly, you, You're confident you have the product you're, you have the service and then the next step is signing the check.
1: <laughs> exactly. Now, the fourth thing I get people to do, and it's very rare I do it, but I want some people to do it because there might be some people who are extreme cases. Um, and that is, I either get them to study something that a friend of mine has done in the dating and pickup world, because that will teach you a lot about confidence and how to talk to strangers. Oh. And the second, well, I used to write for that marketplace and have done for literally years. So if you name someone in there, there's a high chance they'd be written for them. Um, like Adam Lyons, for instance, is a friend and client of mine as well same with like the guys from rsd and you know years ago wrote for people like uh, mystery and all those guys um but what i'm getting at here is and matthew Hussey as well because and i london day game those guys were fun as well for the time um, but where i was going what i'm looking at here is that the, the the trick that they had the the situation i always get people to read if you if you're having a real hard time with it is look up roger love
0: Roger
1: love Roger love is all about vocal love like love vocals He's actually hired by Hollywood uh, and several artists to help them with their voice their vocal positioning their ability to actually portray a strong Powerful voice or use their vocals correctly. He's an incredible teacher for this kind of stuff Um, And his stuff will help your voice really resonate confidence when you don't feel it Mm. Um, as an aside that's the that re- I only found out in December the reason why people think I'm confident is because I sound confident. Even if I'm having an internal freak out in my head, apparently I don't sound like I'm having an internal freak out in my head. My voice has learned to to speak without me and go, <laughs> Oh, <"No>, we <don't> all <laughs> sound confident for this man. It's the yeah. same as like if I give a compliment to someone, people think I'm being sarcastic. I'm being honest. I'm being genuine about it. And they're like, You sound sarcastic. I'm like, No, no, that's just my voice. Yeah, it's when I was
0: when I was listening to your podcast earlier, it's uh it was just down to earth, you were being yourself. It just, it just sounded like I was listen, listening and talking with a friend. You were just, yeah, it was great. So uh, that, uh, That's the way uh, you do it. Yeah, and just,
1: just, to go, just to go back to it, because I want to wrap this up, Like with investors, when they're actually listening to it, and this is what Roger Love and so many other people i have actually mentioned teach, it's about putting in the other person in a state of comfort. If they're mm-hmm. comfortable, they're ready to go. They're ready to buy. They're ready to pay you. But you got to go in with a perfect plan. You've got to get a good plan. If you really want some help with that, there's a few resources that we can discuss in a moment. Please go on.
0: Yeah, so um
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, where do I take this?
1: <laughs> Anywhere you want, my friend. We've got literally yeah. of time.
0: Yeah. So um yeah, uh, let's go with uh, t- reviewing my notes. <laughs> I don't, don't want an awkward point, but I think we've made an That's awkward good point now. No, so, there's
1: no, um, no awkward points. So have fun yeah, so,
0: so this is a good question. Which unique opportunities do you foresee copywriters will use in the future to support their startup clients?
1: Okay, so there's a lot of stuff with the AI stuff that people are kind of like, oh, AI is the rise of AIs, AIs are going to do everything. AIs are going to ruin content writers for them. And I've said it before. I got a lot of shit from people going content writers, from content writers. Like, no, it won't. Yeah, you will. Sorry, buddy. Um, like the only So AI is developing quickly. The only problem with AI is that it doesn't know how to write humor. Mm. It doesn't know how to write fun. It doesn't know how to write funny. It doesn't have any of those skills. So what you do in interim is you use that as a copywriter you use that as a skill basically go ahead and get the machine to do the initial lifting if you're good with editing go in and create it now if you're like me and you don't like editing other people's work because you won't find a new like i've got to come up with ideas fresh from the beginning because they're presented to me finally formed in the way they are i'll find a way to improve what you're doing i won't find a way to create a new path sometimes unless i'm told i can do that because i'm like You've not hired me for that. And I don't want to like bombard you with like my insane ideas, um, (laughs) would sometimes do work. But anyway, going back into it, um, the future is basically like basically combining what you do with a little bit of AI work is good. But the real opportunities that lie right now is going into continu is going into retainer packages, and this is something me and my business partnership shetty teach all the time in our mentoring group. Is essentially you want to become a copywriter, not a content writer. Direct response and story and all the other fun stuff. None of this bullshitty, Like I'm going to write content and do SEO and call myself a copywriter. No, you're not. You're not one of us. You're a content writer. There's a difference. All right. I'm very, very, very pedantic Street. about mm. this stuff because. I spent most of my life doing this. I know the difference between three different types. Well, there's four different types now. But anyway, um, what I'm getting at here is what I would do is I'd niche down, uh, especially with like startups and stuff. You're a copywriter in that industry. What you want to do is you want to get in early. You want to get a percentage. You want to get a livable income from your client. And then you want to basically make sure that you get paid. And for people listening, what's livable income? Find a copywriter that's happy taking on two to three grand a month initially but they want a percentage on the back end that percentage is good because the reason being is that they're more invested in staying with you the long term the likelihood they'll stay with you when things get tough be good to them and they'll stay with you when they're tough be bad to them and they'll abandon ship as soon as you need them so don't do that make sure that you train them right keep them well and you'll be happy as well the reason being is um and the reason you have them on is because they don't have to now hunt for new clients if they don't have to hunt for new clients all their creative energy all the time they'll be using their freelance business to acquire new clients is being funneled into you and if you're paying them well they don't need to look for more than two or three clients at a time and they can keep those on continuity in the way that we have our shit scheduled out so they can get those things done but what i'm getting at here is as a copywriter go into retainer my 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 thing does that so we're back in don't worry about it, it's not you my camera will black out for like 10 seconds at the very most so gonna like refresh it but anyway don't fall into the trap and the trap many people fall into is um i need to create big projects and that's how i get paid one-off projects i did that for a long time i used to get mm-hmm. paid like the biggest client piece i took home was uh 75k like up front that was what they paid me up front plus percentage but the deliverable was a lot. I had a lot to deliver on that. So what you do instead is how have, have I turn that into a continuity model. I could have charged five grand a month for 12 months or even like 10 grand a month for 12 months or yeah. six months until the work was done. But it would have given me more leeway because I had to do all the work I had to get done in 90 days. And the expectation was different. Of course. And I am a serial procrastinator, or at least I used to be. So I would literally screw around until like I need I, until I got an idea formed in my head. Which usually, if it was a three month deadline, I'd get done in like two months. Like the first two months were usually like planning and ideation, and then for some reason, I don't know if you guys have this, but I do. I used to be able to get everything done like literally right before it was needed to get done occasionally <laughs> yeah. I, occasionally i did miss deadlines but that was just because i was going through some stuff and thankfully my client's not on good terms but yeah you were saying
0: yeah so i i think that happens to us all and I, we all figure out our own style and pr- in preparation whether it's being yeah. super prepared right at the start or doing something last minute and just then having a lot of ideas in your head and uh, yeah. cr- creativity comes Uh, when i you know do a little bit of research at the start and then do
1: some last minute you got to find what works for you and just real quick because i want to jump back and answer the question a little bit just there's one final point like so the reason i was getting into that because i feel like i'm talking about myself a bit too much here so i apologize if i am but essentially i want to highlight to you guys what is capable of being done inside that room and if you're a copywriter and you focus on clients and work with them long term over that short like you know with a contract like that make sure you have a contract to not do shit without an agreement okay no that is a mistake, and you're leaving money on the table, and you will basically take it this way. Doing work without a contract is like basically having sex without a condom. It, it, you're risking. Don't do it, all right? Just don't do it because what's going to end up happening is it can bite you in the ass really, really badly. It could work out for you, and usually it does, but that 10% makes you gun shy. Just always protect your ass, cover your ass. It's C, what was it? C-Y-A always do that that is always what you should be doing now that being said and what i want to get into here um with how copywriters can really take advantage of this start studying the idea of the psychology that's needed in order to get someone to say yes specifically don't just study copywriting study sales study dating study health and nutrition study mindset because if you if you the joys of being a copywriter is that we get the to encompass all human experiences, from the good, the bad, the sad, the lovely, the horrible, from greed and lust all the way down to like desire and passion and drive and hope. Like Gary Halbert said it best. He goes, why are copywriters some of the most effed up people that you know? Because we have to go look at the human soul underneath the rock that no one wants to look at. And we get to sit there for days and be like, okay, so that's why you're a messed up head case.
0: Yeah just to be relevant uh, or um, create that laugh in that in that in that at yeah. th- that right time uh, yeah. to get that action Wow, well, that's that's interesting so that is that where your inspiration comes from
1: then all that reading that you do and yeah um... kind of but my thing is life experience but i i go do things and it's funny because I thought my life was very, very. I still think my life is very boring, but apparently it <laughs> isn't. So I let people believe. Like I let people tell me my life isn't boring. I'm like, uh huh. I let you believe that. I think my life is boring. <laughs> um, but specifically, what I'm getting at is, I do a lot of reading. I don't. Uh, I do a lot of reading. I read a lot of fiction. That's another thing that I tell people. It's. I watch a lot of fiction. That's the other thing. I don't do a lot of reading. Only I watch a lot of things. <laughs> um, and whenever I watch things, I'm usually psychologically evaluating the character goals and how they're basically built. Because the thing is, if you want to look at really good movies and really good writers, do you know what makes them the best? Like these movies? It's not just the story. It's the characters.
0: Yeah. And if you
1: want a really good master at who does this, Tarantino. Literally, Tarantino. Tarantino's movies, and same with Stephen King's novels, both of them don't write stories. They write character development. And the character development ends up forming the story
0: yeah so should uh startups that are uh investing time in copywriting or at least um investing time yes. in copywriting <laughs> they
1: should be. build
0: yeah. a i know we say avatar all the time but yes is it important to create that character first yes. and then build out the story and what is the like the story framework that you oh
1: okay so i actually give this away for free that i'm actually recording right now so i'll walk you guys through it. it's really simple it'll take three steps but to answer your question yes it should be most definitely studying an avatar and creating one because you got to know who you're talking to by by the way the first bit of your work should go into who you are selling to and why you need them Yep. If you want to know how to do this, this is as easily as, as possible, there's a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. May he rest in peace. Um, they're relaunching the 2.0 version of his book with his, with his foundation, his family, in August this year, which is quite cool. But what I'm getting at here is they have this list called the Dream 100. The Dream 100 is your 100 people you want to work with, speak to, whatever it is. So have that for your Dream 100 clients, that you, or like a 100 um, investors. Then what you want to do is you want to go through that Dream 100 list and group them. And you want to group them? This is this is not an easy task. I'm telling you right now. This is this is like it'll take you a week at the very least with concerted effort, a weekend maybe. But what you do is take the 100 names, then you split them into groups of categories of interests, and then you basically make sure. So you can do it that way, or you do it the way that I do, which is like you get the 100 list on another piece of paper. You go, who am I looking for? You write out who you're looking for. It says who on this list matches this to what degree, and then I list them from like most relevant to least relevant and i focus on the most relevant 25%. Because yeah. you don't need you don't need 100 clients, you only need 10 if that. You don't need a bunch of investors, you need a small amount that have money. So, that's how you start off with the avatar creation. Uh as far as it goes with studying copy and all the other fun stuff, yes, watch movies, look at what your audience is talking about. Do you know why I watch I watch more movies than most people and I can tell you the reason I do so is and i quote them. Yeah. i quote i quote them in my email, i quote them in my sales page, i quote them on interviews. Because there's great content that's written by other people that's out there that I can use as quotables as a way of, like, bridging that gap. And more importantly, if I said to you something like Blue Steel, would you know what I mean by Blue Steel? No. Right. But if I said that to a Zoolander fan?
0: Maybe. Yeah. By the way,
1: I've closed, <laughs> I, I shit you not, I've closed a $10,000 deal simply because I made a joke about Zoolander. And, and the reason I made a joke turns out my client's it's my it, it was that client's favorite movie because it was the name of their company their company name was blue steel ltd like that was their company in did you guess that <laughs> or <did> no, you? <laughs> no no i didn't know that until we started like we were joking about it like we had a conversation about like what are your favorite movies and i was like bill and ted obviously the first one um, huge fan of like all these other movies I was like Zoolander cuz it's one of my favorite feel good movies and he went oh my god no I was like what do you mean he goes Zoolander such a terribly good movie we it was a half an hour call yeah we spent 10 minutes having a chat about business at the start as soon as he asked me about Zoolander we ended up on a 20 minute conversation about Zoolander blue steel and all the ridiculous shit that Ben Stiller does we literally <laughs> literally had that all um, all sorted out like it was, it was crazy. And they just basically were like, yeah, here's the money. Let's do the solution work together because people buy from people. Yes. So again, relevances, and the other reason that you want to watch movies and read books that everyone's reading and stuff like that is because you're able to connect with them. How many times have you been able to say, like, what, what's it like, again, even you and I, we both love cooking. We both love like comedy, whatever yeah. it is we have like things in common. How much closer did you feel to me when I, when you found out that I love to cook?
0: Yeah, I I did feel close and I think it was more the bullying, the uh the jokes, uh the cooking, the Rubik's cube, uh, yeah. the the interest in copywriting and content creation. How people the, gla- the glasses and the the thing you said about, does it look better, worse or about the same? Those kind yeah. of exper- shared experiences just get yeah. into this.
1: Definitely. I mean, this is what your audience is looking for as well. They just want someone they can connect to and call their friend. So guess what? That's what you give them. You write <laughs> your stuff to give them that friend, and you make it congruent with who you are.
0: So that that would be in your emails, in any type of content posts. creation. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've 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 heard you break down um, like a story framework, which is like the defeat story, the villain um uh, uh, and then your victory story could you could you go over that a little bit more just for everybody else who's listening
1: yeah so that's actually the framework that we were going to discuss so thank you for reminding me of that so it's really simple it's three steps i want you guys to get a piece of paper at home just a4 or a whatever point it is um i'm gonna see if i can actually do this live because again i should always prepare props for this um hopefully you'll be able to see what i'm about to do okay so let's find the piece of paper Right, uh, one moment. Ta da. Ah, oh, so we're nice and okay. If we're nice and out and stuff, I can zoom my camera back into where it was. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just looking weird. All right, so you got a piece of paper on one side. You have um, this is all I want you to do. I want you to draw basically what looks like really far rugby goals. All you're doing is put a line on the left hand side, vertical, vertical line on the right hand side, draw a line in the middle that joins them. On the left-hand side, you have greatest defeat. On the right, you have point of no return. Right. Now, in the middle of that, you have about eight other separate um, check marks. All that's cool. So it basically looks like a little graph like this. And what you do on the left-hand side, there is a moment in your life as a business owner, marketer, <coughs> startup, whatever it is, there was a moment in your life when something kicked your ass so goddamn hard that you were like, right no more it could be you left school because you didn't like the way it was you left your job because you knew you were destined for more hell it could be family members telling you that you suck all the time and you're like Yo, screw you i'm gonna go do this anyway could be anything could be those great defeats could be the family member that you thought that would always have your back turning around saying you're not going to succeed whatever that defeat is because it's personal could be your own personal Hindenburg whatever it is yeah. once you've got that written down on the far right hand side you have um on the far right-hand side, you have a uh, point of no return. Now, we've got multiple points of no return, but there yeah. is one specific significant one that really stood out to you that went, right, I can never go back again. What was it? So you write that down. Now between, and again, what I mean by you can never go back again, like I'll give you an idea. I can never go back to living in a small city uh, Again, I just can't because I've got so used to like having things open at certain times. It feels a certain way. Yes, I can live in a smaller village and stuff like that. But if it's a small city, it freaks me out because a small city that closes at 6 p.m., as in the ones in the Midlands do, it's kind of creepy to me. I'm like, where is it? Like, how did everyone just go home? Like, I'm in London, 6 p.m., everyone's still out, 10 p.m. people are still out, like 2 a.m. people are still out. It's like it doesn't get as quiet as it does in the Midlands until about 3 a.m. And you're like, oh. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. So you, so you got to get used to this shit. So what I'm saying is um, though, that's that's like a point of no return to give you an example. I have to give you an example with work. It could be a point of no return could be I made uh, I made more money in a single month than I would have done working three years at my old job. Okay, that's a point of no return. Great. So what you do is you gather all your points of no return because you have several. It could be um, started my first company. uh failed, succeeded again, went through a breakup, made a bunch of money, happy times. It doesn't have to be positive and negative all the time. It could be all positive as you want. But essentially what you do is you create this timeline of 100%, um, 10 points from the point that you had your greatest defeat to the point that you had your greatest victory. Now you have these 10. Now you have the narrative of essentially what your story is. I remember back in the day when I actually started out. um, You can do this for anything. So we'll do it for dating. It would be Uh, my first 10 relationships ended because nine of the women I dated ended up leaving me for someone else or cheating on me. And the one person that was kind enough to actually end things ended things and said that was too intense and too much for them. So that basically kicked me right in the fucking ass. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through multiple situations in that and my point of no return, um, realistically, I realized when the longest, uh, like my point, and again, I'm using this as a made up point. My longest point in no return, like my point in return would have been, uh, Like, I don't know. I got to a point where I could sleep with literally anyone I wanted on seven days a week. Like, I was getting laid seven (laughs) days a week. Like, no one would date me, and now I can't stop getting it. Like, greatest victory. So, you have have the two things. So, you go, okay, how did I get to this point from this defeat? Like, what steps did I have to get here? And that's what you map out in the middle. Those are the points, no return. Like, in each one of those steps is a point of no return that previously existed, because your next point, no return, is going to become a step. Like the one you're going through right now, this is going to become a step for the next thing that you become into. So you always got to keep that in mind. But for that section when you're telling that story, you have an end, you have a beginning, now you're building up the middle. And the beauty of the middle is you can take step one, so step zero, grace defeat, to, to step one and essentially do the exact same thing and go, what were the 10 or five little mini things they did to get to this one big milestone? And now you've taken 10 pieces of content and turned it to like 100 pieces of content. you can read and reuse for a bunch of different things but you tell the story is consistent because you now have a running narrative through what works
0: powerful and uh as soon as i heard that before and i'm lucky i've heard it twice now uh Mm -hmm. it just made me think i need to because i can remember writing a doc and uh, saying to myself oh i'm going to write myself a a book and write all these stories down so i've got to find that because there's there's probably some no points of no returns and victories in there, yep. um, yeah. And I've and I've had some recently, so those can be added.
1: Hells, uh, yeah! You should keep a running inventory of your wins. So, so as my friend uh, Lav likes to say, uh, have a win inventory. Win inventory. Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: One of those wins would be uh, having you on the podcast. Obviously, <laughs> having a, a great bunch of experts lined up and then recently uh, having AppSumo run a podcast collection with me which is currently happening between May 23rd and the 30th of June if you want to start a podcast you want to earn some extra money on the side go to go.appsumo.com sign up to be an affiliate once you promote a podcast tool within that collection you'll get a bonus of $25 every single time and you'll collect some great uh podcasts and tools and tools to help you grow your business at scale so that's go.appsumo.com and if you want any more information talking with experts pod.com slash appsumo. and it's just scroll there okay so that was kind of my call to action uh, love it dude yeah. So in terms of a call to action, and I know we don't have that much time
1: left. Okay, uh, we can talk about this as much. Oh, huh? we've got like thirteen oh, yeah. minutes. Thirteen minutes is enough time. Let's go. Oh, that,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So um a call to action for pitch or maybe you could can we really focus on call to actions right now because I think that that's is. an important aspect in a yeah, Probably confused everybody by giving them two
1: actions. No,
0: um, no,
1: not at all. You've given them a direct action to go to GoDaddy, uh, not GoDaddy, to go to AppSumo, and then finally they've got like a CTA that basically goes towards your thing, which is fine. You can have multiple call to actions as long as they work in conjunction. Again, this is a podcast, so of course, you're used to having a couple of these in there um but yes sorry i just don't pride in because i wanted to make sure that you actually knew that you didn't do anything wrong there but talk to me about call to actions and what your question is please
0: yeah so um i do, think- I do write emails out to my podcasting audience and uh, anybody who's starting a startup would probably have a an email list of users that have joined and tried the product out what advice would you have for those startups that are starting to create call to actions uh, and how can we make it really compelling for somebody to okay. take
1: action? So there is a mistake people have a call to actions where they kind of like either pussyfoot around it, which is kind of like oh maybe I don't know, or the worst is they'll actually just end up putting up a raw link towards the URL where they need to go, which there's nothing wrong with, but they forget. So when it comes down to email and stuff like that, there are peaks and valleys. So your whole point of email isn't to sell in the email, is to sell the click. It's the whole point is to get them to click on a thing, make it enticing and compelling. By that, I mean, make sure that you have your peaks meaning. If you explain something and say, I'm going to show you everything in a moment, and that in the moment ends up being a hyperlink because it goes to the page that you need to go to. And then you just you can finish off if you want, or you can just kind of end it there. Because people can go check out the video on the next page. You can also go check out the video, go read the letter, go check out what I've got for you. Please have a read, click here now, blah, blah, blah. All these words exist. But during an email, I wish I had an example of this right in front of me, uh, I can show you guys. Basically, you highlight certain key aspects of the words and just make them a hyperlink. It could be, this will make your life easier. Hyperlink that to the thing because people are conditioned to click hyperlinks. So guess what? It looks like a hyperlink. They'll click on it. They've been doing it for the last 20 years and the generations that we're selling to, we're used to this kind of stuff. Not the old generation because they were wary of the internet. Us, not as much. So... In that call to action you end up basically creating that bridge
0: yeah so um that would be for for that for that keyword that you really want to get out um, in that sentence then you hyperlink that keyword so start your podcast today you hyperlink today or start your podcast Oh, the whole thing. Okay. Yeah.
1: So if you've okay. got something like start your podcast today, whole thing. If it's something like, um, there are 33, what was it? It could be, there are 17 steps to writing a sales page. Here's step one, how to create an extremely beneficial headline, blah, blah, blah. Here's an outline. If you want to get the rest of the 16, go here. Or it could be like, I reveal the remaining 16 on this page. Or well, it could be there are 17 steps to writing an effective ad campaign. Go here to find out more. Or uh, it could be longer where it's like where you're telling the whole story about how your day went, what's going on, what's happening. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. was on this podcast. It was brilliant. We had so much fun. It was like we connected, blah, blah, blah. By the way... Um, and just say, I also shared my burger recipe. And then, of course, I'd highlight burger <laughs> recipe. And I'd get people to go ahead and click on that. So, like, oh, I want to find that out. And just say, not only that, here's some highlights. And just would highlight what came up and say, if you want to find out more, listen to the whole show here. If you want to find out the burger recipe, it's timestamped at this number. And people are like, <laughs> oh, crap, right. But they won't just start for the burger recipe. They'll go listen to all the thing
0: Yeah, because that's well that's the that's the main that's the main meal but yeah <laughs> they've missed the starter and the dessert um i've got a good question for you Please. and um i know you've you've got a very um you've had a very successful career so these are this is this would be a good one for you what life lesson or career lesson has helped you be yourself and authentic in your copywriting which has had a significant roi for you and your clients
1: you nailed it just being myself being authentic yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that's the only thing that i could say and what helped me get that was a series of things um so i spent most i've spent most of my life in combat sports so muay thai mma brazil jiu-jitsu um you face ego death daily like i haven't trained for like the last year and a bit because i've just been you know going through my own stuff but like I've not forgotten what it feels like to get choked out by like someone that you should be able to punch and eviscerate in the face because they're so tiny and you're so much bigger than them. And you're like, how are you choking me out right now? If I don't tap, I die because you have this locked in. So that allows you to really understand that you're not, that you're human, that's one. The next is getting your ass handed to you very frequently. I mean, I've gone through my own stuff. I've had some people say to me, like, dude, sometimes when you're going through your emotional stuff, I was like, I can't be around you because it's too much, which is fine because they weren't enough. I didn't need them at the time, which is okay. The right people showed up and that was cool. What I'm getting at here, what made me authentic was understanding that, A, people don't buy from just careers and whatever. They buy from people. If they don't like you, they're not going to, they'll buy from you once and leave. If they love you and like you, they'll stay forever. Um, and you have like lifetime connections and lifetime friends and lifetime resources. And that's that's what you want to build more of than like the superficial crappy stuff that that runs through. Um, but the key area of how I actually did it, like if I had to really look at it, it was self-development. It was constant self-development, putting myself out there, developing other aspects of my personality and just being okay with it. Because there are mm-hmm. moments, of course, I'm vulnerable. There are moments that I fail. There are moments that I basically want to cry and give up and no longer do what I'm doing because we all go through those. The difference is sometimes I'll share them, sometimes I won't. But if I do, cool. And how I do it with my clients, by the way, is when I look at my clients. When I used to write copy for them, I used to sit down and interview them. I get all the stuff I need out from them for like an hour and a half, and I have everything I need from them because there's a set number of questions I ask them that are my own questions. Um, some of them are to do with this, and some of them are to do with them. I get what I need from them, and you know I'm very grateful for this. I spent most of my life in self development and reading people. Um, I can just pick up who you are as a person just by speaking to you for five minutes. I know a lot more about you if I want to in five minutes. Hell, I can look at a photo of you and I can figure you out because that's the skill I've developed over time. But if you haven't developed that skill, the way that you actually essentially just do it is spend time being yourself. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself what you're good at. Journal what you love about yourself. Journal about what you don't like about yourself and what you can change. Um... And I say this to someone that used to have really bad self-esteem. Up until I was 26, I thought I was hideously ugly. The way I hacked that was I went ahead and had a conversation with a bunch of people, figured that shit out, reversed it, and found what I loved about myself. And when you find what you love about yourself, believe it or not, it shows up in your work. It shows up in your copy. It shows up in how you work. And this is the most key relevant quote I can ever give you. And it's with selling. It was from a friend of mine, Chase Hughes. Shout out to him. Really simple. Where you are speaking from is where you are heard. Where you are speaking from is where you are heard. If I was speaking from my brain, you would only hear me in your brain. If I was speaking to you from my wallet, you would only hear me at your wallet. If I was speaking to you from my heart, you would understand exactly what I meant because you're speaking from the heart. Words. Even when typed, carry an energetic feel. I don't know if you've ever done this, but read read some copy, read a text, read an email, read anything, and gone, man, I can really feel this person's emotions in them. They were mad at me. They were happy. They were angry. They were sad. They were joyous. They were grateful. You can read it in the context of how they write. People have the same thing. So put yourself in that context. Put yourself in a positive headspace and see what happens. And by the way, I'm not saying you should always write in a positive headspace. I've written some copy where I was screaming F and M blinding and using the C word that American fans don't actually like all that much. But the see you next Tuesday, if it. you will. Yes, the <laughs> see you next Tuesday, if you will. Um, didn't say it. But that <laughs> right there, I have used those swearing at my clients while I'm writing copy. And it's worked really well. And the reason being is I just need something to get going because you need to tap into an emotion to run with. And anger, by the way, anger powered by love works, but it has to be specific. So to answer your question, essentially how um, you create that authenticity is just by doing a lot of copy, finding yourself and spending more time in understanding who you are. You do those things, you'll be you'll be golden.
0: Awesome. I love, those, I love those tips and I'll be uh, watching them back and listening and taking notes and everybody else who listened to that, these, these are some powerful things and uh, they've they've helped you help uh, get return on investment on yeah. so many different levels not just yeah. on a military level so
1: yeah, yeah that, i mean that's... just overall life happiness which is like the best
0: yeah so i think that's a great place to end i think because Almost. it is a saturday unless we talk about the Burger
1: recipe. recipe. We've got four minutes, man. I'm gonna give you guys this yeah. recipe. It's really simple. So I'm gonna give you two versions. And mind you, you don't have to use the version I'm gonna give you. So I don't use this version anymore, because uh, I don't use whiskey in my drinks, any- in my food anymore. But like, it's a great way of doing it. So what you do is you get a half bar shot of a sweet whiskey, like a bourbon would be great. A uh, You can go Jack Daniels honey. That's like the only Jack Daniels that I'd recommend. All of it's moose piss. Otherwise, just is the Apple one <laughs> I haven't had. But you know, the rest were. Um, get yourself a nice whiskey uh, or a bourbon. Get a half bar shot of um, of it. Get like half a kilo, if you will, or like half a kilo of like beef. Make sure it's like 80-20 mix. 80% mm-hmm. beef, 20% fat. If there's no fat in there, throw in some fat in there, like some butter or something. Really make because you need that fat in there. Mm-hmm. Then what you do, add your salt, your pepper, and your half bar shot of whiskey. Mix it all together. Leave it in the fridge for a half hour that will all marinate now the tools that you need actually to make this work properly you need a cast iron pan you need some cheese you need some water and you need your and your burgers as you will me that's basically all i have cheese meat bun happy adult that's it a little bit of ketchup and some hot sauce and i'm all good i'm all good <laughs> you want some lettuce and shit like that go for it add that in that's all on you so here's what i would do cast iron pan nice and hot as it starts to get ripping as it starts to get ripping hot butter your goddamn to oh, like bread butter it, throw it down, butter side down, like crisp up the bun, make sure it's a crispy ass bun, no one likes a soggy bun, it's crispy, also do both sides, just don't do the flat side, flip it over, make sure you do the tops, it's got a nice crunch on the outside, put that in the oven with like just the light on, maybe 50 degrees at the most with a fan on, so it doesn't overcook or dehydrate, it just keeps it nice and warm, that's a keep warm function. Make sure your cast iron pan is as hot as humanly possible, and then drop it down to a four out of the six. So you want to go medium high. You want to go high until it's smoking hot, then medium high when it's cooking. Get your burger out. Burger out. No flour, no eggs, none of that bull crap, because so many people screw this up. What you're going to do is get a ring mold, something that is circular and a little bit of depth. Put that down. Get some like Make a ball with the meat with your hands. Put it in the middle. Get some wax paper, get the tissue, get something that's not going to stick to the meat, and just press it down until it forms a circular motion in that ring mold. Pan's nice and hot. Salt on top, no pepper. Face down on the salt. Salt and pepper, the top side it's there as it's heating up. Within about a minute or two, here's why we use a sweet whiskey. That sweet whiskey, not regular whiskey, like a peaty one, a sweet one. The reason is sweet whiskey has naturally a lot of sugars in it. That sugar caramelizes directly on the outside of the burger the moment it touches, the uh, pan. Forget the Maillard effect, which by the way <laughs> yeah. <you to> steam <laughs> it. Because if you put like a piece of meat on a hot pan that's not fully dehydrated yet, it's gonna steam. It's not gonna cook. It's not gonna crust. This, for some reason, for some because alcohol has a such has such a su- sh- smaller um, heat point. It will just completely like com- not combust. It will completely like burn off mm-hmm. immediately. This gives you that charred effect on the outside of your bag. It like completely seals it in. You flip it, you pepper the top, you don't salt it because the bottom side's got salt and pepper the top side. It's been flipped around. you do it. you do this a couple of times until you know you've got the right amount of um, like the feel. You'll know exactly how you yeah. want your bag to be. Now like 30 seconds before you pull it off, make sure you' got your cheese ready, make sure you've got like a small glass of water, like absolutely a tiny amount of water and the lid. Here's what you're gonna do. you're gonna put your cheese on top of your burger while it's still in the pan. You're gonna get some water, you're gonna throw a little dash of water in there, and you're gonna put a lid on top. That is gonna create steam in there for about 30 to 60 seconds, which is gonna completely melt the shit out of the cheese. It's gonna melt it perfectly, but the best part is all those juices, all that flavoring from the, from the whiskey, because the whiskey does have flavoring, the cherry flavors, the vanillas, all of that, go directly back into the burger and actually sit inside the burger. So you have the smoky, woody flavor of a burger. It's absolutely delicious. Throw that in with your uh, take your buns out, build your burger, have a bite out of it, guarantee you, juiciest burger you'll ever eat.
0: Oh, all I ask is Do you make, want to make this for me? Make or?
1: it make it for me. <laughs> done When you're in London, when you come down to my place, I will make dinner for you, mate. You'll have Wait, one oh reason. Oh my goodness. Because I also the thing is I love cooking so much I actually make my own buns. Like I actually make my buns from scratch, swallow the night before, so everything is done, prepped, and ready. So yeah, tell me when you're coming. And, and then we can,
0: we can have a proper we'll photo do like a video of a sp- burger. Yeah. yeah, we'll do a video
1: live stream <laughs> of it all as it's happening. it be a lot of fun. Awesome. Talking with experts, the cooking show.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, except for uh, my defeat is I had to retire because of health issues, and it turned me completely off cooking, except for I'm just a huge foodie, so I love eating. Yeah, but uh, that's, a, that's a completely different story. Well, but, I was
1: going to say, dude, use that as your story like i'll tell you what like after this um so yeah like we'll end this and chris we can chat for a minute that would be great
0: awesome so thank you again for sharing your tips on uh copywriting for startups and startups for copywriting (laughs) Um, and just sharing your expertise in everything life uh, business um, pitching for investors There was so much you covered, story frameworks, and then we just connected on a really good level. So thanks for just um, connecting. Um, But I would love people to know how they can find you. I know you've got loads of different links you probably want to share. Or uh, Uh, all right,
1: well I'll give you guys just two easiest two links you can ever find me on. Um, If you're if you're on any social media platform, Avila Marcy, look me up. Hi, it's usually me. So uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Connect with me on Instagram which is forward slash Adler Marcy. Uh, Facebook, I have reached my maximum friend limit. So if you are on Facebook, go to my group Copywriter's Framework uh, Mastery. Uh, That is for copywriters and working copywriters. Please make sure you join that because we do have a mentoring program on the back end of that. But it's a great place to actually pick up a lot of great invitation and shout out to Divian as well for making sure this happens. Uh, and finally, if you want to pick up the course that I spoke about earlier, head on over to the copywritersroom.com. Um, I'm not a fan of the VSL I have up there right now, which is why, again, co- cobbler shoes. You end up making your own stuff and go, ah, I'm not really a fan of that. Uh, but the good news is the 2.0 version of that course, the Copywriter's Framework, which will be live as you see it. Um, anyone that picks up the Copywriter's Framework, uh, Copywriter's Room will actually get access to the Copywriter's Framework and all the other bonuses that we have going for that as well. Um, yeah those are just two like two places but realistically the best thing you can do because i love meeting people please reach out to me personally connect with me let me know what's going on with your world um if you have any questions let me know and if you make the burger seriously not kidding send me a picture of that shit i want to (laughs) see like send me a dm of that image i want to see it um and let me know what you did like what you did differently and what you thought because i'd love that stuff um but yeah that's just me man
0: awesome thank you so much for your time and yeah i can't say anything else i'm speechless and i'm I'm not speechless i'm gonna be talking about this all day
1: (laughs) yeah thanks for having me my friend i really appreciate this all right guys it's been a pleasure and as always chris thank you so much for having me man
0: and thank you so much for joining us today and listening to the full episode i hope that burger recipe was well worth the wait. and remember adil is as. Is a super duper expert. He has had a huge amount of success, but he's always willing to jump on other podcasts. So make sure to connect with him on LinkedIn and just ask him. He's delivered a ton of value today, and you can always refer back to Talking with Experts podcast, but he will probably have time for you somewhere along the lines, whether it's just a consult or if it was joining on a podcast. So Go to his LinkedIn which is in the show notes, send him a message and just ask him politely if you could spend some time with him, learning about him and also having him on your podcast sharing a ton of great value. See you next week.